what's coming up now on Established in the Faith. This is a messed up age we're in. You can't get nobody out there in the world to do nothing. Here we are now. We're wanting to do some things here in the church and do renovation. You can't get nobody to do nothing. You can't get nobody in the world out here to do nothing. And I'm going to tell you something else. You can't get folks inside the church to do nothing either. Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce of Friendship, Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina, and how so very pleased and happy we are to be with you today. Got a great message lined up for you. Hope you can stay with us for the next 30 minutes. If not, let me encourage you to go over to establishedinthefaith.com. There you can listen to today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. Well, we're going to go on into the message now. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. Book of First Kings, chapter 22. And while you're turning there, if you'll go ahead and turn over to Second Corinthians, chapter 6. I got a little something I want to read over there to you as well. First Kings 22. And they continued three years without war between Syria and Israel. And it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said unto his servants, Know ye that Ramoth and Gilead is ours, and we be still, and take it not out of the hand of the king of Syria? And he said to Jehoshaphat, Wilt thou go with me to battle to Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as thou art, my people as thy people, my horses as thy horses. And now if you will, go to Second Corinthians 6. In verse 14, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, the Bible says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And I want to use for a subject this morning, preaching a few minutes, the unequal yoke between Ahab and Jehoshaphat. The Bible tells us there in verse 1 of 1 Kings 22 that they continued for three years without any war between Israel and Syria. What a statement. Finally, a time of peace. Only God can do that. Only God can give you peace. Some of you under the sound of my voice this morning, you're disturbed about things that are going on in life. You look at the news and you see what's going on in our country and things don't look good and you're disturbed. God can give you peace. All of humanity is in rebellion against God. There's enmity against God. There's enmity between God and man. There's a war that is going on. But God can give you peace. He'll give you peace. You never knew sweet love and joy and heaven too. For only Jesus can satisfy your soul. 
Glory to God. It's a peace that passes all understanding. Uh, the whole world can be going to hell in a handbasket. Your whole world can be falling apart, but he can give you peace. It's a supernatural peace of God that passes all understanding. And there was peace for three years between Israel and Syria. Benadad, king of Syria, he launched an attack against Israel. Israel was woefully outnumbered, and God miraculously delivered them twice in one year. And God is all-knowing. He knows all things past, present, and future. God knew that Jezebel and Ahab were going to concoct a scheme and kill Naboth to take his vineyard. God knew all about that, but yet he chose to deliver Israel twice when Benadad came against him. That's grace. Oh, what a gracious, merciful God we serve. God saved me when I was 12 years old. As I moved on into my late teens and went to college, I wanted to be around with some guys that were not saved. And we made plans to go out one night. The Lord blessed me with a car when I was 16. I asked the Lord to give me a car. 1989 Camaro. When the Lord blessed me with that thing, I went to the Bible and bookstore and I got a license plate. You've got a friend in Jesus. And screwed that thing right to the front bumper of that car. And I didn't go nowhere without it. But me and those guys were going to go out and party that night. And I went to the mule stable where my daddy kept his toolbox and reached in the toolbox and took out a screwdriver and took that Jesus tag off of my car so that me and my buddies could go out and party. But God saved me when I was 12 years old. He saved me anyway. He knew I was going to the mule stable. He knew I was going to that toolbox and remove his name from my car. But yet he saved me anyway. He saved me when I was 12 years old. Baptized me in the Holy Ghost and fire when I was 14. Called me to preach. Blessed me. Knowing all the time I was going to play the fool. How many times has God blessed you knowing that you were going to play the fool? God is gracious. He's merciful. He delivered Israel twice knowing what Ahab and Jezebel was going to do. But let me show you the other side of this coin there's two sides to the coin, ladies and gentlemen. God is gracious and merciful and loving, but He's also a God of wrath and judgment. Are you listening to me? See, this is the side of the coin that we do not see that much nowadays. Most want to show you the side of God's grace and mercy, but 
you got to flip the coin over. It's 50-50. He called Elijah. Elijah, you go tell Ahab that because he's done this thing, I'm going to bring evil against his house. The dogs are going to lick his blood and death. And all of his relatives are going to be eaten by the dogs and the fowls. And when Elijah delivered that word to Ahab, the Bible says that he rent his clothes, put sackcloth upon his flesh, fasted, lay in sackcloth, and went softly before the Lord. Although it was short-lived, these were acts of true repentance, and God honored it, gave him peace for three years, and held off that judgment. All of mankind has sinned against God and is going to hell. But God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on an old rugged cross for our sins, to give us eternal life and to live with Him in heaven forever and forever. Jesus Christ died a horrible, painful death. He went to that cross knowing that most of humanity would reject his offering. But he did it anyway. The only thing that can stop the judgment of God is repentance all made possible through and by the cross of Christ. The only thing standing between you and I and eternal hell, the lake of fire, is the cross of Christ. And believe me, friend, I'm going to cling to that old rugged cross. Jesus said, you've got to deny yourself. If you're going to come after me, you've got to deny yourself and take up the cross daily and follow me. Take up the cross. Cling to that old rugged cross. That's the only thing that's going to stop the judgment is the cross of Christ. When God delivered Israel, Benadad's army was completely destroyed. I mean, there was, there was nothing left. And when Jesus Christ died on Calvary, he won the victory. He destroyed Satan's army. Oh, glory to God. Satan is defeated. Devils are defeated. Hell is defeated. The powers of darkness is defeated. Depression is defeated. Glory to God. You're not defeated this morning. You are victorious. You are an overcomer through and by what Jesus Christ did for you at Calvary. Satan does not have control over you. Sin is not to have dominion over you. You are to have dominion over him. You are to have dominion over sin. Benadad's army was completely destroyed. There was nothing at that time to keep Ahab and the armies of Israel coming in and taking over and completely wiping them out, which is exactly what he should have done. Benadad knew this thing. He concocted a scheme, put on garments of humility, 
Went to Ahab begging for his life. Please let me live. Don't kill me. If you'll let me live, I'll restore all the cities which my father took. He made a covenant with him, an unscriptural covenant with Benadad. Turned him loose and let him go. And three years later, Ramoth in Gilead was still under the control of the Syrians. The Syrians would not let it go. Instead of restoring the city of Ramoth, they built a fortress there, a stronghold. If you don't nip it in the bud when God points it out, when he delivers you and puts it in your hand to do good and you do it not, you are setting the stage for Satan to get a stronghold in your life. And when you compromise this book, you're setting yourself up for a stronghold. Three years And the Syrians wouldn't let it go. That's the way Satan works. He promises you the world. Oh, if you'll compromise a little bit. If you'll just give in. Oh, if you'll do this right here just a little bit. He promises you the world. But he never fulfills on his promises. He didn't restore Ramoth Gilead. Then a dad made it into a stronghold. And now Ahab's got this stronghold in his kingdom. He wants to get rid of it. So he turns to Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the son of Asa. He was the fourth king to the throne of Judah. When we read about the things he did, it's easy to see that Jehoshaphat was trying to adhere to the word of God. He implemented policies that were good for Judah, he was doing good, but when he went to Ahab, the Bible says he went down. 1 Kings 22, verse 2, came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, noticed the terminology, came down to the king of Israel. I want you to think about this. You come up from the south, you come down from the north, but in this case, Jehoshaphat comes down from the south. Catch that. You get it? It doesn't make sense. He comes down from the south. This is more than just a geographical, topographical statement. There's a spiritual connotation here that I want you to see. Jehoshaphat went down when he made this unequal yoke, this ungodly alliance with Ahab, one of the most wicked, ungodly kings that ever lived. He went down. This was the beginning of an alliance with Ahab, and it caused the southern kingdom all kind of problems. It was almost the end of Judah. You better be careful who you make friends with. You better be careful who you buddy up with in business. Are you hearing me? I read it to you a few moments ago, 2 Corinthians 6. 
Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? Oh, but Brother James, I can be a good influence on them. I can be a good influence on them, Brother James, and lead them to Christ. Rarely does that happen. The Scripture says nothing about Ahab going up to Jehoshaphat. Nothing. Jehoshaphat made this alliance with Ahab. He went down spiritually. He started comparing himself to Ahab. Look at verse 4, 1 Kings 22, verse 4. Ahab said, Will you go down with me to battle Ramoth-Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said, I am as thou art. My people is thy people. My horses is thy horses. Comparing people and horses is one thing. But when you start comparing yourself to others, you get in trouble. See, that's called relative righteousness. Relative righteousness. What do you mean, relative righteousness? Well, Brother James, I'll be honest with you. I admit I did bad. What I did was wrong. But it wasn't as bad as what that one did over there. Relative righteousness. When we start comparing ourselves to others, we get in trouble. See, the church is in trouble today. See, because we're not looking to God as to what we should do to solve our problems. We're looking to the church down the road. We're looking at what they're doing and trying to drag what they're doing over here. And then we're scratching our heads as to why it don't work. What God told them to do is what they're responsible for doing. And what God has told friendship to do, that's what we're responsible for doing. And if God has told you to come to this church, then that's what God expects you to do. You got people hopping from church to church to church to church to church. Well, Brother James, I get good singing over here, but the preaching ain't that good. Well, Brother James, I get good preaching here, but the singing ain't good over there. Well, I can go over here. Brother, they eat real good over there at that church. I love going over there. Brother James, they got a big old youth ministry over there. We just love that. But, you know, they're going from church to church to church to church to church, and they get all the stuff that they need. But what are they doing for God? The Bible says it's better to give than to receive. But you got people hopping from church to church to church. Why? Because it doesn't require of them to do anything. This is a messed up age we're in. You can't get nobody out there in the world to do nothing. Here we are now. We're wanting to do some things here in the church and do renovation. You can't get nobody to do nothing. And if you do get them to do something, you can't get the materials you need to do it with. You can't get nobody in the world out here to do nothing. And I'm going to tell you something else. You can't get folks inside the church to do nothing either. It's become a big do-nothing age that we're living in. Oh, Brother James, I just love sitting at home and watching the service on Facebook. I know why you like sitting at home. Because it don't require you to do nothing. 
Let me tell you something. God said that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together for public worship. That's what the book says. Now, if you're stuck at home because you're sick or shut in or whatever the case, that's fine. I'm not talking to you people. Thank God. If God opens up the door for us to broadcast on Facebook, YouTube, whatever, we're going to do it. But when that clock goes off on Sunday morning, you need to get your lazy out of that bed, put you on some clothes, and come to church because church is not something that you observe. Church is something where you come and do something. We need you in the house of God. Comparing ourselves to others. We'll do anything in the world to bring people in the doors nowadays. Butts in the pews. The Bible and bookstores are full on how to grow your church from two to two hundred. There is nothing in this book about church growth. Nothing. There's plenty in here about your growth as a believer. Grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord. You find plenty in there about you growing as a believer. As far as growing the church, there's no formula. But why is the bookstore so full of this stuff, Brother James? Because they grab the business model of the world out here and how they grow their business and they drag it over into the church. And we compromise well i'm as you are if it worked for them oh it'll work for us it ain't gonna work unless god told you to do it one church down in florida they renovated their fellowship hall to look like a nightclub put the bar in there i mean right on down to the little shot glasses now they weren't serving alcohol but Right on down to the shot glasses. It got the attention of one of the major Christian magazines. They went down and done an article on it. They called it the cutting edge of evangelism. It's the cutting edge of stupidity. That's what it is. They interviewed the pastor. Why are you doing this? We're doing it to attract the young people. We want to show the world out here that we can have a good time and that we are no different than they are. 1 Corinthians six seventeen, the Bible says, Come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians five twenty two, Abstain from all appearance of evil. We've got churches out here tearing their buildings all to pieces trying to look like the world. This book says abstain from the appearance of evil. But you don't have to make your church look like the world out here to draw a crowd. Put me under an oak, oak tree with the word of God and a couple of people and we can have church. God will move. Abstain from the very appearance of evil. Now let me show you the end result of this unequal yoke. See, the world out here 
as well as the modern church, would look at these few verses and say, Oh, Ahab and Jehoshaphat, they're all coming together now in unity. That's a good thing. Couldn't been further from the truth. This unequal yoke between Ahab and Jehoshaphat had almost destroyed Judah. Jehoshaphat arranged for his son to marry Ahab's daughter, Athaliah. She went in and killed all the seed royal. She even killed her own grandchildren and relatives to further her political agenda. Jehoshaphat and Ahab, they went into battle against the Syrians. The battle was lost. Ahab died. And after his death, Jehoshaphat continued an alliance with Ahaziah. Judah's economy was literally wrecked when they went into business together, going to make ships to get product down to Tarshish. God destroyed all the ships because it was an unequal yoke, an ungodly alliance. The Bible warns about being unequally yoked with unbelievers. The end result was not good, as you can see here in the Scriptures today. The unequal yoke between Ahab and Jehoshaphat. today has been a blessing to you and you would like to have a free CD copy of this message, just give us a call or text us at 252-299-4234. You can also go to establishedinthefaith.com. There you will find today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. But perhaps you need someone to just talk to or to just pray with you about something. Again, just give us a call at 252 252- Two nine nine four two three four. This program is an outreach ministry of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. As well, depends on the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you. To contact us or to contribute to this ministry, go to establishedinthefaith.com. Click on the Donate tab. It's easy and all donations are safe and secure through PayPal. You can also mail us at Established in the Faith, P.O. Box 601, Bailey, North Carolina, 27807. We look forward to hearing from you. And I'm Juliana. And you've been listening to Established in the Faith with our dad, James Pierce. He's the pastor of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. That's right, girls. And every Sunday morning, we have Sunday school starting at 9 o'clock and worship service at 10, as well as Bible study and prayer meeting every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. All of these services are broadcast to the parking lot for those of you who wish to participate drive-in style. And the church is located at 744 Friendship Church Road in Middlesex, North Carolina, near the EMED community. On the website, if you click on the Contact Us tab, Google Maps will bring you right to us. We would love to have you, and we hope to see you there. And we hope today's program has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening, and God bless you.